So, do you think people eat leaves? <laughs> like, seriously, though. I mean, we all eat so much weird shit that, like, don't you think that maybe leaves are something that somebody was just like, eh, sure. Well, yeah, but, like, lettuce is a leaf. Oh, I'm thinking, like, maple trees. Okay. Um... Wow, waiter immediately fix the problem. <laughs> Do people eat like, like you know those people who are like foragers, who like ur- urban foragers or whatever it is, where they like eat grass clippings or like chickens that they found in dumpsters or whatever. Those people are terrorists, of course. But do they eat maple tree leaves? <laughs> I think no. Um, I'm just now thinking, uh, there's like a great Canadian, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's like, ever eat a leaf? Many kinds are edible. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, that's so I funny. need to look it up. Yeah, I do. We are going to go through this right now. Wow. I really wish that I'd remembered the lettuce was a leaf. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> this is why you can't just eat any leaf. Oh. I don't know what this website is. Herbo. Herbo. I don't know if it's trustworthy. Is anything trustworthy? As Trump likes to remind us, fake news. Ew. Uh... <laughs> hey, do you know if he's dead yet? <laughs> oh no. What? This is why you can't just eat any leaves. It sounds like a simple question. The work of a six-year-old. Hmm. Or a general interest reporter short on ideas. I'm both those (laughs) things. Okay. Yes, we've established. Uh, The answer is no. Hmm. No to leaves. Tragic. Fortunately, today, we will not be talking about leaves at all. (laughs) Except for just now, which we've done it. We will be talking about... What will we be talking about? I actually have no idea. It's a dramatic reveal. Oh, we were talking about the uh, Great Molasses Disaster, or the Boston Molasses Flood. Woohoo! Yes. I'm very excited about this. I hope that's what you were talking about today, but I had no idea. Yes, it is what I was talking about. I... Yeah, it's a... It's an interesting one. I mean, like, in a way, it's not, because it's actually just, like, very straightforward. (laughs) That's hilarious. But, you know, there's some fun twists and turns and, like, uh, logistical, legal precedents and such. Hmm. Hmm. Intriguing. <laughs> and why, what, where are we going to be talking about this? We're talking about this on Pantry Staples. The podcast where we dish on your fave foods. I am Marika. And I'm Emily. Uh, yeah. So let's get into it. I guess I could pull up my notes. Are we going slowly about this? Is it as slow as molasses? Oh my goodness. I don't think so. <laughs> I do have a molasses joke in here at least once. Oh, good. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point of this all? All right. So let me start by painting this scene. Oh. Uh, the molasses flood took place in 1919 in Boston. The year of the war. Yes, I have some, like, what was going on in 1919. So, Woodrow Wilson was president. Ew. Um, he was, like, a chill guy. For a while, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's not... 
League of Nations dude. He's like widely regarded as like a pretty like solid, non-problematic president, except for like him being pro-segregation. But the how is it was 1919. Nobody knew. Anyways, oh, what a terrible excuse. He was like, let's try and be like nice people. And everyone was like, mm, or, <laughs> or we could we only continue, care about ourselves. Continue to be real shitheads. Yeah. That's uh, the program we're all on currently. He also, in 1919, had like a stroke and was basically incapacitated for the rest of his presidency and his mm. wife was just, like, moving him like a Weekend at Bernie's puppet. I've never seen that movie, but I feel like I'd love it. I feel like you would. It's mm, from a time in the 80s when it doesn't hold up. Mm, Of course it doesn't. The outfits do. Mm, Very exciting. Yes. Anyways, so that's cute. So, yeah, so that's Woodrow Wilson. Um, The day after the Boston disaster, um, the American Congress, Congress passed the 18th Amendment, which put... Uh, prohibition into effect oh like literally the next day that's so interesting Mm -hmm. it is actually interesting because there was like a lot of the like molasses at the time was used to make alcohol i was gonna say is that like does it have any correlation (laughs) i did write coincidence (laughs) Um, it's all a great scam (laughs) yes this also all happened in january so what else was going on um the year before in 1918 the Spanish flu. <laughs> and it didn't, like, it was still going on in the 1919 year, right? Yeah, there was, like, it, yeah, it was trickling on for a while, like I some read, other. Or listened to something, I feel like you must have listened to this podcast, mm. too, where they were talking about how um, it actually lasted, like, so much longer than anyone thought, but because of, like, the sporadic kind of nature of it, it kind of was a lot harder to, like, visualize that. Yes. And I think because like in some places it was worse than others mm-hmm. and yeah, like the, and kind of like, uh, the mm-hmm. current global pandemic we are still in, uh, it would like come in waves. Like in the summer it would be chill and then flu season would come and it would be like, oh, now everyone's dying again. Of Yeah. It was just like, it's harder to classify it. I think in the second year as well. Anyways, continue. Yes. Also world war one is just ending, I guess in the end of 1918. Anyway. Let's talk about the flood itself. Cole's Notes version, 12.30 p.m. on January 15th, 1919, a storage tank collapsed and about 2.3 million gallons or 8 million liters (laughs) of molasses flooded the north end of Boston. That's so much molasses. Oh my God. It is so, it's so much. The scope of this thing is so crazy, which I'll get to in one second, but you will also be super shocked to learn that the north end of Boston is an industrial neighborhood, which is densely populated and had a large Italian and Irish immigrant population. Super fun. These Irish just keep coming up in the food disasters. Like, I don't really want to <laughs> think about what that means for them, but it's very sad. Yeah, has every single one of our episodes so far involved just been like the, the Irish. Irish are really, really having a bad time? <laughs> yeah. Well, late 1800s, early 19th century, 1900s. Yeah. Not a good time to be Irish. Just not a good time to be most people, I would say. Ugh. Yeah. This is the thing. That question of, like, if you go back in time to any era, where would you go to? It's like, either it's the dinosaurs so they can kill me, or it's the future. (laughs) No interest in doing anything in between. All right. All right. Um, Okay, so, this flood. 
as I said, 2.3 million gallons, 8 million liters. That's a lot. It's a lot. Is that how many uh, like city blocks did it cover? Because I'm assuming it's more than one, right? Oh, um, I don't know. It was a huge. It, it was a huge area. Like it was so much, and so first of all, because it's molasses and not water, the weight. Oh my of god, it you're pays, right. Plays a huge part. We have thirteen thousand tons of sticky syrup. Oh my god. That's that's the weight. Holy um, smokes. And I have a list of things that weigh one ton. Like an elephant, right? Things that weigh one ton. Website that I found. <laughs> a baby humpback whale. Oh my god. The testicles of a right whale. Hilarious. A 1979 Volkswagen Beetle. Oh my. Five megabytes of data in 1965. <laughs> These are so specific and I love it. Uh, a great white shark. An award-winning pumpkin. Ooh. So imagine 13,000 award-winning pumpkins. Just crushing down on you. Crashing the north end of Boston. Oh my goodness. And once it started flowing, it was a bubbling, because it's like hot, because they're heating it, a brown 15-foot-high wave, moving at almost 60 kilometers per hour. Holy hell. (laughs) It's... Oh my god, that's insane. I just thought it was kind of like, here the streets are really dirty for a while. Nope, whole buildings and the city's elevated train line were mowed down. The train too? <laughs> yeah, like a one-year-old boy was crushed under a train. Oh my god, that's awful. It's, um, it's horrible. 150 people were injured. Oh my god, Twenty-one people. stupid way to get injured. 21 people and 20 horses were killed. Oh my they were either drowned in hot molasses or crushed under the falling infrastructure. That's the worst death I can imagine. Yes. Boiled in molasses and drowned. Well, I don't know about boiled. It wasn't that well, hot. It was still January, but drowned, drowned in molasses. Drowned in molasses. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's like you play those theater games <laughs> where you have to like practice like you're walking in like molasses and you're like, I'm moving slowly. But that so was literally how 21 people and 20 horses died. R.A.P. I know. Oh my God. So yes, here we are. So much for slow as molasses in January jokes. Yeah, sorry about that. Although I will say it did play a part later when they were trying to rescue people and recover bodies because... Oh my God. They were just sitting there. Stuck. So horrible. So horrible. So who's to blame? Yeah, that's the main question. Um... The United States Industrial Alcohol Company, or USIA, they used the molasses to produce highly profitable industrial alcohol that was used to make munitions for World War I. Oh. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so apparently, like, this whole industrial alcohol business was, like, a really big deal. And again, I think I read some things where this did kind of play a part in Prohibition, where they're like hmm, what are we going to do for mint stuff if we can't... People are, like, not drinking anymore. Like, we could make... How can we still make money? Hmm. Make weapons. But the war would have been over by the time Prohibition started. And by this point, too, the war's over, but they're still, like, 
It's the United States. They're never not making weaponry. They're always on the hustle. They're always on the hustle, especially after World War One, when they're like, wait a minute. We can get involved. Oh my God. Let's always get involved. Ugh, trash. <laughs> wow, okay, that's tragic. So, yeah, the tank in question was operated by the Purity Distilling Company, which is a subsidiary of the USIA. It was 58 feet high, a.k.a. as tall as a six-story building. Oh, my gosh. And 90 feet in diameter. Oh, wow. It had apparently been super sketchy from the start. Huh? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> and even though it was only three years old, it was uh, a leaky, rumbling mess. Okay, so this is a silly question, but like, yeah. this is a storage tank for all this molasses. Yeah. Is it underground? Is it above ground? Do they just have like a six-story building completely full like a six story building thing completely full of molasses. Yes. I just need, I almost need a picture of what that looks like. Cause I'm just flabbergasted. Um, okay. So imagine like, yeah, it's, it's just like, it's like a large, like an aquifer, like one of those like big, like, oh, like a okay. water tower kind of but like thing. a water tower on the ground. Yeah. Like above ground. Like, okay. um, I don't know. The, the, the only thing I can really think of is like, the Warner Brothers, like, water tank oh. Hollywood. Like, that kind of... I don't know why that's what I'm thinking of. But the saying in aquifer, that helps. Thank you. Yeah, it's like a big... It's a huge-ass tank. A huge tank. Like, on... Like, kind of on, like, stiltsy things. Ooh. Like, it's above. Like, it's not just, like, a barrel sitting on the ground. It's, like, okay. a little bit raised. And it's right by the water and, like, the harbor. Because the molasses is coming from, like, the Caribbean. Well, that tracks. So they're they're bringing it in on ships, storing it in this big tank, and then the USIA is like like pulling it out, and I don't know, I guess like carrying it by train because it's also right near this train. Okay. To then like ferment and turn into interesting. Alcohol. Like the whole thing is just like it's just like a like a holding tank. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Did any of the molasses get into the water? Um, I don't know. I imagine it did, but I feel like it went more like exploded away from the harbor. It got everywhere. I'm just imagining that like they're fishing in that harbor for like fish and yeah, obviously you're fishing (laughs) for fish and they're just really sweet for the next couple of years. Um, it's like, enjoy your sugar coated salmon, ma'am. I definitely read this. Where is this? Yes. Okay. They, the final body that they eventually recovered, like days later, which I'll get to, um, he was pulled from the water underneath the commercial wharf. So it like went everywhere. Oh my gosh. Yes. So this tank, (laughs) it's a disaster waiting to happen. The guy in charge of its construction, Arthur P. Gell, he had never undertaken a project like this. (laughs) And when made doing this project, he never consulted anyone with experience. And never subjected the tank to a proper capacity test or had it inspected by engineers. Ugh, white men just like (laughs) flying free. He's like, ah, I'm an accountant. I can figure this out. Oh my God. I mean, I would be the same, but anyways. No, you would not. You would, uh, you'd be like, hmm, part of my, like, sure, I'm in charge of this project. And part of that will be to have people who've done this before. Oh yeah, I delegate the heck out of it. Yes. But I mean like if I was the person that got this job delegated to me, I don't think I would have the wherewithal to be like, 
hmm <laughs> safety checks i'd just be like well fuck it i got this on my plate now let's go i mean they did do one test mm. with about six inches of water <gasps> that's so stupid also love that right on the heels of our titanic episode we're talking about just like another shittily constructed thing yeah and it was classic because it was just like they were rushed the of course it's because they were rushed because capitalism is the devil yeah they're like we've got a shipment coming in like a matter of days like six of inches of water will it hold that yep okay great that's fine molasses water exactly the same same as having like 15 foot waves of molasses <laughs> in a thing oh my god six inches versus two gal two million gallons not surprisingly the whole thing leaked from the very beginning the solution from the usia was to, to paint the tank brown so you couldn't see the leaks that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's a literal cover-up. <laughs> a literal cover-up. That's good. Um, oh, wow. Okay, so they're just slopping paint on, dripping molasses. This thing is a death trap. That's fun. Yeah. And, like, people still knew. Like, the locals would go and scrape the leaking molasses into cans for, like, use at home. And apparently kids would take uh, sticks and make molasses suckers by like dragging them along the side of the tank. God, nobody gave a shit about health and safety. Yeah, they're just like, hmm, this thing like rumbles and makes a lot of like very ominous noises, but also free molasses. Like, I guess we'll just go literally lick it off this disgusting like painted, <laughs> like, like the outside is touching that, you guys. <laughs> it's so gross. Oh. Um, uh, it is still not like... 100% known what caused the tank to burst that fateful morning. Mm. Uh, but there is speculation that the fact that it was an unseasonably warm day mixed with the fact that earlier in the morning, a million or so gallons of fresh warm molasses were pumped on top of cooler molasses may have created oh. like a chemical reaction that built up pressure and caused the shoddily built tank to explode. I mean, that makes sense. Temperature is such a thing. Definitely. And, like, also, like, with weight, too, like, warmer mm -hmm. versus cooler. Like, yeah. Sure. The physics of it all. Yeah, of course. The flood devastated the entire north end of the city. No kidding. Like, you can look up pictures. There's a bunch of pictures from the Boston Globe at the time, and it looks like a bomb went off. Jeez. It gets, like, everything's rubble. That's so awful. It's so, like... <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I feel like it has such, like, a funny, like, oh, the molasses flood. <laughs> It's like, no, that's really awful. People died. Like, homes were destroyed. Uh, incredibly, people did survive, though. Like, they were in the literal flood. Were they just really strong swimmers? They were just lucky. Huh. <laughs> uh, Isaac Yetin was carried 35 feet by the wave of molasses before being slammed against a door where he was miraculously able to climb to safety with the help of an another survivor. Oh. <laughs> so scary so nice that people help each other though yeah yes um a 78 year old woman named elizabeth o'brien was stepping out of her house to run some errands with her sister when she was immediately knocked down by the wave oh uh, she eventually came to uh but her building was gone and she only found her sister days later in the hospital recovering from a stroke and disfigurement whoa disfigurement from the molasses like i guess or like being hit i don't know it was vague oh my god 
The poor old lady. I know. That's so sad. But it's like truly that scary thing about these kinds of like disasters where it's like you could be standing right next to someone who is killed or like mm-hmm. dragged or like hurt way worse. Your home will be knocked down, but then you'll just like come to like exactly where you were. It's insane. And I think they were saying like the thing that helped her was she had like a washing bucket and it like knocked over her head. So I think her face was like protected. Oh. So she didn't drown or something. I don't even, they don't know. It was 1919. There were. The, the information was spotty <laughs> at best. Interesting. So just carry a bucket. Always have a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> the rescue effort was led by 116 sailors from the USS Nantucket, along with the Boston police and Red Cross workers. There was one doctor on the scene who said that body that the bodies pulled from the flood looked like they were, quote, covered in heavy oil skins. Eyes and ears, noses and mouths filled with molasses. Oh, that's awful. It took four months to recover all of the bodies. Four months? Yeah, I think like they were kind of working on like the last two. Like there was the one guy who was in yeah. the wharf. There were firefighters who were at the bottom of the firehouse because the firehouse was right near the water as well. And it was like immediately knocked down and they were in the basement or something. Oh my gosh. And it's like. Yeah, this is like a sticky mess. It's like a rubble and it's not. Oh my gosh. It was hard to pull people out because it was molasses and it was getting cold and it was January. Oh my God. Yes. How horrible. Yeah. And like the full cleanup of the whole city took like so long because, you know, even after it, people are trying to go about their daily lives and there's still molasses everywhere. So they're trekking into like other parts of the city. So apparently all of Boston reeked of molasses and streetcars, public phones, trolley seats were always like a little bit sticky. Ew. (laughs) Oh gosh. So gross. And like that tracks, like it's so hard to get like anything sticky cleaned up. How I told you my (laughs) theory about sticky things. So say you get, I do want to do this thought Mm -hmm. experiment with you. You get a little bit of molasses on your hand. Mm -hmm. Then... You put your hand inside a glass box. It's suspended. You don't move your hand. It's just there. You can't go like this with your fingers and like kind of get at it. It's just there. Yes. How long does it take for your hand to naturally just like (laughs) slough off the sticky? I don't think if you're not touching it, I don't think it'll ever come off. This is so interesting. I asked Zach and Monty about this at work the other day and they're both just like, I don't know, like a day or two. And I was just like, how much do your hands sweat fools? I said a few years. I don't think you can sweat off molasses. I'm just saying like all this, like, like the sticky stuff, like all of your, like your hand, it's got like oils and like, like stuff coming off of it. Yeah. But it comes off because you're rubbing it against other things. They said that we're shedding skin even when we're not touching them. I don't, I don't know. If someone's a scientist out there, please let us know. (laughs) I'm very curious. If anyone wants to do an experiment, I will wear a box on my hand for years. (laughs) what's Emily doing oh she's just in the middle of a long like multi-year science experiment that she designed for literally no purpose (laughs) have they already figured this out through other means like math yes and she's still that never oh my gosh but yeah genuinely curious about that anyways sorry always sticky always sticky is that on their license plate like boston (laughs) always sticky always sticky No, not anymore. R.I.P. Okay, the aftermath. 
This disaster gave rise to the first class action lawsuit against a major corporation, with 119 plaintiffs arguing that the USIA was at fault for the flood. There was a six-year-long legal battle. Oh my god. The USIA tried to claim that they had been sabotaged by Italian anarchists. (gasps) That's so spicy. And like... There were known Italian anarchists in Boston at the time. and there had been There's like a- always known Italian anarchists. <laughs> and there were like a couple of bombings around and like, sure. I but like this Boston's a bomb heavy city. Dark. Too soon? Probably. Anywho. Yeah. No, the judge was just like, yeah, no, no. Be good. <laughs> the structural failings in the tank were undeniable and the USIA was sent were sentenced to pay uh, $25,000 to the city of Boston, $42,000 to the Boston Elevated Railway Company, and 6000 to each victim's family. I don't know if that includes like the injured or it's just, like just the dead or what. I would assume that would be every asshole who got sticky. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's me. I'd be like, bitch, you have any idea how long it took this to get out of my clothes? I only have one outfit. Like, how dare uh, $6,000 in 1925 money, which I looked up, is about 94000 today. I still don't think that's enough if you're dead. No, I feel like that went a lot farther in 1925. Mm. But still. I don't know, though. Like, under a mill for a dead body seems insane. Yeah, that's true. But nobody values the Irish. <laughs> And it's America. Yeah. The district attorney did try and push for the USIA to be charged with manslaughter, but the grand jury didn't quite buy that one because it's America. That's so sad because that is manslaughter. But we can't... But that would... I wonder how many times companies have actually been like... Like specific companies have been charged with manslaughter. Probably none. Yeah. Or they've been charged, but then it's like... But they're a corporation. How could they know? We can't hold them responsible for their actions. Ugh. They're just trying to make money. Then that's good. Because, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, the American dream. Mm-hmm. God bless the dollar. <laughs> Ugh. People. So, yes. New construction regulations were put into place in Boston. So, like, yay. Plans had to be approved by architects or engineers and filed with the city's building departments before construction on any large projects could begin. What a concept. Oh my god. What a lawless time it was before. You're just like, I guess I'm gonna build something that's six stories tall and just not check in with anyone. And no, I've never built anything like this before. And like, I always am like, I'd like to go back to living in the woods. I just want to fuck around (laughs) and not be in society. But it's also like... We have to be in society and you all have to fucking do your jobs, please. Yeah. Like, social contracts are not enough. We need actual legal contracts because people are maniacs. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. That's, that's it. I mean, it's a... I don't think that's it is, like, a sufficient... Like, that was (laughs) quite something. I'm very glad you told me about this because I did not know any of that. Yeah, it's, uh... I was going to say short and sweet. Get out. Or long and sweet as the cleanup of the flood was. Yeah. And the scope of the molasses. 
That's crazy. And just like, again, another time that we're seeing like production of food creating actual legal precedent and like how we interact with building societies around this food is very interesting. You're not just some asshole in the desert trying to figure out bread. You're like some asshole in a city trying to hopefully not kill people. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe you are trying to kill them. Maybe this corporation was actually run by Italian anarchists. <laughs> it was the anarchists all along. Plot twist. U.S. Italian anarchists. <laughs> yep. It's, it tracks. The acronym holds up. Follow us for more conspiracy <laughs> theories. Oh no. We're turning into a conspiracy podcast. I've always wanted that. <sighs> I don't actually have that many conspiracy theories. I'm too stupid for that. The thing is, the thing about conspiracy theories is look at how disorganized it, they are to just make molasses, to just hold molasses. Like people do not have the wherewithal to construct elaborate conspiracies. That's the thing. Everyone is very simple, really, at the core of them. And lazy. Simple and lazy. And conspiracies are anything but lazy lazy it's so true yeah we're all just trying to get through the day <laughs> trying to make our fucking weapons great alcohol <laughs> what's the status of boston on molasses today are they pro are they con do they remember well there's that whole like like boston brown bread is made with molasses really yeah isn't that like the bread in the can what are you on about you can get like bread in a tin can. <laughs> That's disgusting. Tell me more. I think it's good. It's kind of like a sweet-ish, like brown bread. Is it in like a syrup? Is that why it's in a can? No. It's like steamed sort of. Oh. I don't know. Intriguing. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. On that note, we have to go because we have some very important sourdough situations to attend to today. That's true. I may be making my first loaf of bread that actually rises. Ooh. Yes, tune in for uh, updates on Emily's bread. Bread situation. Yes. I don't situation. want to say success yet. No, it's too soon. Too soon. All right, have a lovely day, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Pantry Staples Pod. Ooh, rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your foes. <laughs> and we'll talk to you uh, next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.